0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning. All right. So, I am humbled to be here. Um, I think Andre is uh, too kind. Uh, Our journey has just simply been um, one of obedience. Obedience. Just uh, nothing special. Um, God is great, and God does mighty things. Um, I wanted to start uh, by introducing us a little bit more, uh, because it is truly about God and what he can do. Um, See, God took this atheist who had no intention of anything to do with God. As a matter of fact, I I looked on, on believers with disdain. I mean, I thought they were weak-minded. They didn't they just didn't get it. All right? So he took this guy, wretched, wicked, lost. And then he did something. He showed up in Southern California and rocked my world. I met Jesus and he changed everything. You know, not only did he change it's just it's been a journey, right? And and in that journey, my first what I would say now, my first supernatural encounter, right, after encountering Jesus, well, actually before, was when I had the incredible blessing of having my wife of 15 years say yes to me. And we started this journey together. I mean, there's no way this would have happened without God, right? And then he blessed us with two kids, uh, incredible kids, Matthew and Sophia. And, uh, and now we're on this journey. I mean, uh, Pastor Andre mentioned we were living the dream. We were in Southern California. We had the American dream, right? We had everything going. We were pleased. And then again, God rocked our world and challenged us. Now, I will say, moving to Southern uh, South Africa, East London, is not bad, right? This is a great place. So I'm not complaining. I actually thank God every day. We we could have been in other places, like Saroti, Uganda, right? So this is wonderful. It's just another sign of blessing. But God has truly just uh, just been incredible in, in in what He has done with us. And uh, and now we're here. And now I'm sharing with you. So uh, I'm humbled to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to stand here and, and share the word. Um and you know, what I like most about doing this, the few times I've done it, is how God works in me as I prepare to share, right? So that's, the, he, he changes everything in my mind. He rocks me every time. He he challenges me, and and today was no different. As a matter of fact, I think today was a especially uh, profound. I mean, he's really challenged me to the core. He is... Uh, made me examine things that I really didn't want to examine and, and, and look at my life in a different way. And, and so my prayer today is simply this, that as I share with you, my prayer is that God will speak to you through this message as much as he has spoken to me. Amen? All right. So I want to start with a, uh, a brief story and kind of set things up. All right? And... Uh, all the married uh, people in the house you'll understand this right <laughs> when we get to it but my wife she's an amazing encourager she's always encouraging me but she's also a really uh, impactful challenger she can bring challenge and i thank god for that because because of that i've i'm a better man all right and so luz has been challenging me recently on the messiness in our garage and our garage is messy right so she comes with you know can you please fix the garage can you clean it up I mean it's a mess we can barely fit the cars in come on and I always say of course yes I will because honestly I hate it too I mean I don't like the clutter I hate the mess I want to clean it up so I say yes I will and then I get busy and life happens And then I turn around, and the garage has not been cleaned. And, you know, a week passes, a month passes, and all of a sudden here comes Luz again with challenge. Hey, what happened to the garage? Did you clean the garage? No. Clean the garage? I say, yes, I will, I will. But I forget again. Or I get busy, I like to say. Now, eventually, she continues to challenge me, and and, and something funny happens. I get mad. Why do you keep coming back to me? Didn't I say I was going to do it? Isn't that enough? Right? She says, no. Not until you do it. See, my words did not connect with my actions. I said one thing, but what I did was something completely different. And what mattered wasn't what I said. What she wanted me to do was to actually clean, not to say I would clean and not do it. Sometimes, church, I feel that that's a picture of us. See, we come to church, we profess our love for Jesus, we profess how much we want to follow him, and then we walk out those doors and we continue on with our life as usual. So, in continuing with the Dreaming uh, with God series, I know we've been encouraged to dream big. All right? And not just big, but God-sized big. right? Dreams that only God can bring to be. And as we do that, I want to I just say, dreaming is important. And dreaming big, dreaming God-sized dreams, is, is what we're about. But if we leave it in dreams then all we have is an enormous daydream, right? But nothing is actually going to happen, right? So what is it that takes us from dreaming big to actually reality? And that's kind of the question. I think, in part, it, it has to do with belief, right? I have to believe in my dream. I have to believe in myself, and I have to believe that I can do it, right? That's a normal dream. But, but when we talk about God-sized dreams, that's not enough. When we talk about God-sized dreams, we have to talk about, I have to believe in God. I have to believe that he can do it. And I have to believe that he will do it. And through belief, we take that dream and transition it to reality. Now, today I'm going to unwrap that, and uh, my prayer is that um, it will speak to us. Amen. Now, what is the key to this whole thing? I believe, as I've just mentioned, belief, right, or faith, right? But faith is a word that to me was, um, you know, I'll confess, I thought it was just this thing that you had right? It's almost like I walk around with a bucket in my hand, and every time I see a little faith, I pick it up and I throw it in. And then I start to build my bucket, and I have a heavy bucket full of faith, right? I, I equate it to when we, uh, we go into the ocean and we find seashe- seashells and cool little things, and we just start piling them in. It's like, look at all the faith I have. Yes. But it turns out, I, I don't think it is that. Now, faith is the key to action. Faith is action. And we'll see that in just a moment. As we look in, uh, in Romans chapter 10, we see the Apostle Paul start to speak about this, and I, I want to unpack that to start. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? I jump over to verse 17 and say, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now, I'm interested. I love Paul. I love how he writes. Because Paul is always creating this kind of funnel effect, right? He starts in one place and then flows and it all makes sense and connects. I want to talk about faith, but Paul starts with salvation. He says, to be saved, you must call on the name of the Lord. Okay, simple. But who's going to call on the name of the Lord if they don't even believe in him? Right, so they must believe in him. But how will they believe in him? Well, they must hear. But how can they hear If no one ever tells them about him. Okay? So someone needs to tell them about him. And then through that, faith comes. And I see two parts to this. Two aspects, two dynamics. The first dynamic has to do with the person that has never heard about God. Right? How am I going to have this thing called faith? How am I going to believe? Well, someone needs to tell me about him. I must hear it. And as I hear it, I must believe. And as I believe, faith comes. Right? And so there's a challenge in that. But I see the other dynamic is for all of us that are here that already profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's saying, how are they going to hear? See, we're sent. We're the ones that are sent. right? I know the, the version says preacher, but it's for everyone. How will people hear about Jesus if we don't tell them? How do we expect people to be saved if we don't go and do what God calls us to do? So, we must have faith because faith is an action. We must move. See, at the bottom of this is, I believe or belief, right? Right? is what happens in our hearts. When we believe in God, it happens in here. We, we develop trust. We believe in God. But faith flows from that. But faith is not something that you just have. Faith is something that you do. Faith is an outward expression of the belief that you have in your heart. And faith is the key to these to dreaming big, to God-sized dreams. Faith is the key to our relationship. Faith will be the key to everything. Now, several years ago, I tried to demonstrate this with my kids. And I I did this uh, exercise with them. And I was teaching them about faith and trust in God. So I lined them up I told them to turn their backs to me. I told them to close their eyes. And because I believe ladies first, I, I started with Sophia. And I asked her, I said, Sophia, do you trust me? She said, at that time she was small, She said, yes, daddy. I said, okay, if you trust me, just let yourself go. I'll catch you. And so she did. She closed her eyes and she just let herself go. And thank God I caught her. Right? That would have been a bad lesson. <laughs> but I caught her, and she was over the top in joy. She's like, oh, that was so much fun. Let's do it again. I said, okay, now it's your brother's turn. So I turned to my son, Matthew, and I say, Matthew, do you trust me? I said, yes. I said, okay, so close your eyes and let yourself go. I'll catch you. He closed his eyes, and he started to let himself go. But halfway, halfway through the fall, he put his foot out, all right? and I still caught him. Now, I don't blame him, right? I wouldn't trust me either sometimes. (laughs) It's just, it's natural. He was bigger, you know, heavier. He's like, maybe that just isn't strong enough to catch me. The point isn't that. The point is what he said and what he did didn't reflect the same thing, right? And when we say to our Father in heaven, Father, I trust you, then we must be willing to also just close our eyes and let ourselves go. Because otherwise, it's just empty words. And remember, faith is an action. What we say and what we do has to line up. Otherwise, it's just empty words. Now we look at uh, James, the Apostle James, and we look at what he has to say about faith in in, uh, James 2, starting in verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead, right? Because faith is in action. And we look at here and James is talking to us, right? He says, My brothers and sisters, if we claim to have faith in Jesus, right, we profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but do nothing about it. Do we really have faith? And he gives us a great example, right? He says, there's a brother or sister in need. They lack clothes. They lack food. They lack provision. I mean, we see that everywhere, right, today. If we go to that person and we pray for them and we bless them in the name of Jesus and we tell them to go, be well, keep warm, be fed, but do nothing physically, To care for their needs. Is that really faith? See. Faith is in action. And James is challenging us in that. He's saying. Faith by itself. If it is not accompanied by action. Is dead. Right? But I I read this a lot. And there is a danger here. That we will see this. And we will tend to go towards legalism, where it becomes all about works. We just start doing and doing and doing and doing because we need to earn our salvation. And that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is, after you've been saved, this is what happens. And and Paul helps us with this because he talks about this in Ephesians 2 starting with verse 8. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Just stopping there for a moment. See, it is the grace of God. God opens the way. God opened the way, right? Through Jesus and the way in is through him. And faith in Jesus. That brings us salvation. Because if we were able to save ourselves, then we wouldn't need him. And we could boast about how great we are. Right? Look what I do. Look how much work I do. Look how much I help. Right? The glory would be for me. And God is saying it's not about that. You can't do anything without me. But through him, And faith in Jesus, we find salvation. And through that salvation, we find the most powerful part of this uh, scripture in, in verse 10. Because it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God had already, God has a plan. God is perfect. God is infinite in wisdom and timeless. And he's already seen this. And each one of us here, we have been prepared for a very special and specific work. Once saved, through faith in Jesus, we are called to that work. Right? I had someone say this yesterday, and I, I, I loved it. He said, I love celebrating, per- I, I love celebrating birthdays because every time there's a birth, it's a new purpose has come into the world. God has brought some new purpose to be done. That's powerful. And that's exactly what, what's happening here. We have been purposed for great things. Not for our glory, because we, we couldn't do it on our own. But we've been purposed because God is empowering us by His Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus Christ, to do these works. But the challenge is, will we do it? Or will you be like me in my uh, challenge in the cleaning garage? We must act. So work cannot save us. Only God saves us. And we know we're prepared and, and called for specific and powerful purpose in life. We're here to make a difference. We're here to leave this world different than when we found it. Right? We're here to impact it for the kingdom. But why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to carry out our purpose, right? I mean, Because I'm not here to doubt when you profess your faith in Jesus. I believe you. I'm not here to question that. But we profess our faith in Jesus, and I speak for myself. But yet I find it so difficult sometimes to actually carry that out, to do what God is calling me to do. Sometimes I make you know the excuse, I don't know. Is that really from God? Is God really telling me to do that? I question. Right? Or is it just me in my head? I'm not sure. But it's an excuse because deep down in my heart I know God has called me to something. But in the end, I believe it has to do with fear. Right? Because fear is what's keeping us from doing the work God has called us to do. And fear, I believe, is the opposite of faith. What we're actually saying is, I don't really know, God, if you will be there for me. And I'm not sure that you are who you say you are. Or you can do what you say you can do. Because if I truly believed that we serve an all-powerful, ever-present, almighty God, that can do anything, and that he loves me, and He has called me according to His purpose, and He has a plan for my life, and it is perfect, and no matter what happens, He is with me, then why wouldn't I just step out and do exactly what He calls me to do? Because I'm still afraid. Right? Because I doubt. And that's just my confession to you. I'm afraid sometimes. Now, Luke... uh, The fear can be in many ways. For example, in my finances, that's a big one for me. Because when God calls me to give in any way, there's a need, and God says, give to that. But I look in my bank account, and it's at zero. I doubt. Can I give? I pull out my calculator. I pull out my budget. I start running numbers. Can I really give, God? Ah, If I give God, what's that going to do to my family? Are we going to struggle? Am I going to cause my family to suffer and lack because I'm obeying your word to give in this time? I'm not sure. But when God says do it, I should do it. But I lack faith. But if we're honest and we trust, then faith leads to action. If I believe, I will do. Now, some of us, though, or let me just read this uh, scripture here in Luke. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people Gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live. And it's a powerful example of where I lack. See, these, the people putting in were wealthy. And they put in money in the treasury from what they had in excess. Sure, I've got some money left over. I'm taken care of. My family's taken care of. I've got savings. I've got my retirement account. I've got everything set. And so I have this extra money now. I'm going to go put that in the treasury. That's fine. But this poor widow comes in. First, Luke notes that she's a a widow. So that means without a husband and and potentially no kids, no, no sons, she had no way of income. So maybe that's why she was in such a poor state to begin with. Culturally, in that time, women without a husband or or sons had no way of working or earning money or or really caring for themselves. So this poor widow shows up, and she's got two tiny little copper coins. And, And they make note of that because it's not really a lot of money. I mean, she's just putting in a minute amount. But to her, it was everything she had. See, she put those two little copper coins into that treasury and she had no idea where her next meal would come from. That's faith. She stood out. What she proclaimed in that moment that she did that, she trusted God because she believed God was her provider. It's not about her account. It's not about her circumstances. It's about the Almighty God that can provide in any circumstance. And it was so powerful that it caught Jesus' attention. And it was marked in the Gospel of Luke for eternity. We all read about her and her powerful faith. Hmm. But some of us, maybe it's not money. Maybe it's the fear of stepping out into the uncomfortable and seeking God in his fullness. See, because for some of us, Speaking in tongues, praying for the sick to be healed, prophesying, words of knowledge, supplication to for God to raise the dead—I mean, these are things that are really out there, you know. For the conservatives, we stand there and we look and we say, "That's just weird," All right? And it's uncomfortable. And it's one thing to to look at others and do that and question it. It's a whole other, another ball game to step out there and try it yourself. Because what you do is you put yourself out there. I put myself out there. If I go out there and I try and prophesy and it's, it's not, right, I'd look ridiculous, right? In some circles, I may even be ostracized, and it's the fear of ridicule and, and being ostracized that will keep me from experiencing the fullness of God. Because what I'm saying is, can God really be this great? Is my tiny mind and my doctrine sufficient? No, God is greater than me. God is greater than what I can think. God is greater than any doctrine that can be conjured up by man. But we must be willing to step out in that, right? Because faith is an action. Others, it's going to be relationships, right? When someone hurts us deeply and we can't find a way to forgive, Do we really believe that mighty God is the redeemer and reconciler of all things? Can we forgive anyway simply because he tells us to? Because he says to love unconditionally. Will our faith allow us to trust God to do the impossible? Maybe it's our safety. Because... I think in South Africa, this is a huge, huge, huge issue right now, right? The country is in in a very difficult state, right? And I know Pastor Andre mentioned today, shouldn't even think about those things. But the reality is it's in our face, right? There's all kinds of crime happening. There's senseless murders happening. You know, we read in the news, and, and I have to stop and question and say, wow, what is going on? Are we safe, Will we be okay? What does our future look like? But the real question is, can I trust that God is my protector? That no matter what circumstances I'm facing right now, He is with us. He is with me. No matter where we are, the truth is God is sovereign. And He is in control of absolutely everything. He works all things for our good. We may not understand it now, but in light of eternity, I'm certain we will. So, faith is an action. And that action is the key that leads to experiencing the fullness of God. Now, if you're like me, you would like God to move first. And then I'll take the step, right? That's easy. Say, all right, I'll, I'll sit here and I'm going to pray until God does whatever he needs to do. And then when he does it, then I'm going to step into that, right? God, you want me to be generous? I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pray until my account is full. And when it's full, then I'm going to start giving, right? Or God, I can't take that step of forgiveness. I'm I'm just too hurt. So you're going to have to move in that person and bring them to me and have them apologize before I'll do anything, right? And that would be easy. But God says the opposite. He says, no, you must take the first step. He says, I must take the first step. I must walk in faith because I believe. So faith leads me to action. And as I walk in faith, then God shows up. When we encounter the living God, we are forever changed. There's no way you can be the same. There's no way. Just like I encountered him in Southern California, he rocked my world. And he continues to rock my world as I seek him, as I surrender to him, as I let go of all the things I hold on to that he says, no, let it go. Trust me. See, what happens is this. There's this interesting dynamic We want life to be comfortable. We want things to be easy. And God is saying to us, no, it's quite the opposite. If you want to follow me, then you're going to need to go through the difficulty. You're going to have to go through the challenge. Because it is through the sacrifice, it is through the challenge, it is through the pain and sacrifice and hurt that we encounter in that, that we find God, that we encounter Him. We all say here, we want to experience the fullness of God. We want more of Him, don't we? Say more. Okay, I'm practicing here. We want more. We want more. But we're not willing to do what is necessary in order to get more. God, I want more of you, but you need to show up here because I'm not taking that step. You know, this morning uh, we heard a couple of people talk about uh, Peter walking on water. Peter had faith when he stepped out of that boat, right? And we've heard this story plenty of times, but I had a revelation in, in this that that kind of shocked me a little, honestly. See, Peter stepped out of that boat and began to walk, and he walked on water, Right? Now we all know the story, he starts to look around and he sees the waves and the storm and he loses faith and he begins to sink. What I believe happened though, and this is just my belief, right? what I believe happened though was that Peter stopped walking. He stepped out of that boat and began to walk. And as he walked towards Jesus, he walked on water because faith is an action. But the minute he began to doubt, what did he do? He stopped. And the minute he stopped, he began to sink. Because he stopped moving. Faith is an action. Faith requires movement. Faith is the outward demonstration or outflow of the belief in our hearts. If if Jesus can make me walk on water, then I will walk on water. That means I'm going to walk. But if I stop walking, then am I truly believing that? So it will be painful. Quite frankly, it's, it's very scary, this faith thing. Because the world is telling us one thing. And Jesus is telling us the complete opposite. And so there's no in between. The world says you must save up. You must have a retirement account. You must build wealth. You must have security. And Jesus is saying, trust me. And put all that aside. Painful, scary, quite frankly, impossible to do without belief in the all powerful God. So faith is the key to this whole thing. But faith begins with salvation. And it's not a once off thing, it's a journey, right? Here's the thing with faith I equate it to a muscle. Any any of you go go gymming, right? We go running or whatever. The more we work out our muscles, right, the bigger our muscles become. And the bigger our muscles become, the more weight we can carry, right? Faith is a muscle, right? If we don't exercise the muscle, it won't grow. We want it to grow, then we must exercise. We must take those steps. We must do little things, Right? Whatever area, wherever God leads you, right? When you sense the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something, do it. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It can lead to conflict even, right? At home. You did what? You gave away our money? Yes, I felt God telling me to. You're crazy. I don't think so. God shows up. God always shows up. So it comes down to this. It's not what I say but what I do that shows what I believe. Okay, I want to say that again. I think it's it's powerful not just cuz I said it. It's not what I say but what I do that shows what I believe. Words are cheap. Action says it all. If we say we believe in Jesus, then we must walk in that truth in every aspect of our lives. Especially the areas where we feel afraid. Especially in the areas where we feel, "Ah, that's not for me, God. Right? That's where we need to be. I want to finish with this. Speaking of faith and having this be uh, it's Women's Month, right? I want to share a story of an incredible woman of faith called Gladys Aylworth. She was uh, born in 1902 near London. A tiny little woman with black hair. She questioned why God had created her that way in England. I mean, she used to envy all the uh, taller women with long hair. But eventually... God called, uh, well, she finds Jesus in a revival and is called to missions in China. Now, she goes to a missionary school and fails, and they kick her out. They say, you'll never be a missionary. But she insisted because she knew God had called her. And she didn't know how she was going to do it, but she was going to do it. And so she finds out about this one lady in China that uh, needs help, and so she saves up money working as a... uh, What do you call them? Like a servant at home, like a domestic worker. And she saves and she saves and she saves until she has enough money and she travels via train through Siberia to get to China. I mean, the story is incredible, the amount of faith that she has to just get there. And I encourage you all to read that story if you have some time. It's very, very uplifting and encouraging. But for today and for the sake of time, I thought I was going to be short on a Okay, for the sake of time, I've got this one story that that kind of emphasizes Gladys and her faith. So she's in this little province or in this little village in in China called Yangchen. She's been there a while now, and she has let herself um, connect with people, so much so that the, the top government official in the area, the Mandarin, knows her and actually trusts her. So this little woman is there, and she's serving, and a riot breaks out in the prison in town, in that village. Now, the prisoners go crazy, and they, just, they kill all the guards. It's, it's massive. All the soldiers and the officials are standing outside the prison, refusing to go in. They don't want to go in. These guys are crazy. They're going to kill them. So the Mandarin calls Gladys, this tiny woman, to the jail, And so she shows up, and the warden meets her there and says, Okay, here's the deal, Gladys. They're rioting in there, and my guys, they're not going. I need you to go in there and fix everything. Gladys steps back and says, What do you mean? And then he quickly reminds her. He says, Well, you profess faith in this Jesus, and you say that when you believe in Jesus, there is no fear. She stops for a minute and says, in, in the book I read, it says, when God's name was in question and at stake, there was nothing to do but step into that prison. It says, she believed that he was her protector. And her faith, because faith is in action, led her to walk into that prison. And she walks in, and the minute she walks in, this crazy man with an axe starts running at her, full speed screaming. And she just stands her ground. And she gets right up to her and stops, drops his axe, and surrenders to her. And subsequently, everyone in that prison, all those prisoners, all the rioters, they do the same thing. She's able to negotiate with them, understand why they're rioting, what the problems are. She becomes this bridge between the prisoners and the warden. She resolves the problem. She fixes it. Not because she's special or powerful or anything other than her faith to walk into that prison. When no one else would, faith is an action that reflects what we truly believe in our hearts. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on for TV. Go to www.chevronline.tv to download and share.